Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patriots Nation, and welcome to another edition of Patriots Beat here on the CLNS Radio Network. I am your host, Jeff Kane, at Boston Fat Guy on Twitter. Joining me, as always, is Bobby Kravitsky, at Bobby underscore K91. You can also follow Bobby on Bleacher Reports, as he is a writer for them. You can follow the podcast at, at Patriots Beat on Twitter, as well as on Facebook, www.facebook.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by the good folks over at lynda.com. Get out and make something of yourself today, and don't forget your free 10-day trial by going to www.lynda.com slash C-L-N-S. That is L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash C-L-N-S. And of course, we can't help but go out and say about our other partner, Peak Brewing. Go out and have a Peak Brew today, www.peakbrewing.com. The Patriots, of course, and every other NFL team had the NFL draft over three weekends, three days in Chicago. A fabulous weekend. Great weather out there in Chicago. The Patriots came away with 11 picks, which is a little crazy because on podcasts before this, Bobby and myself and our, our other guests out there figured uh, the Patriots, who had nine picks going into the three-day event, would not, ha- would not go ahead and pick nine players. Instead, they went ahead and picked 11. So we'll see what happens turning around. The Patriots made some uh, great picks. They made some surprise picks, and they made some Belichick picks. We have Mike Loiko of NEPatriotsDraft.com on with us in a little bit to go ahead and sit back and look at this uh, 2015 draft class for the Patriots, as well as giving away the rookie Patriots jersey uh, to one of our contest winners who went and, of course, bought uh, Mike Loiko's draft guide uh, this season. So without further ado, I'm going to bring in Bobby Kravitsky. Bobby, how are you doing today? I'm good. And Jeff, this had this draft had all the classic characteristics of a Bill Belichick draft from the reach pick that was Jordan Richards in the second round, who I present to you as the who, what pick of this draft for the Patriots. You had special teams picks like Joe Cardona and Nat Wells. You know, you had some versatile players they selected, which, of course, is a trait that Belichick loves. And they had the luck in the first round of Malcolm Brown falling right into their laps with the 32nd pick. Oh, definitely, definitely. First thing on Malcolm Brown, before we bring in Loiko to talk about this, uh, there was some rumors spreading around there. Actually, Schleese Mans, a young of the globe, went out and uh, confirmed that the Patriots had traded their pick to the uh, Houston Texans. Uh, of course, that did not happen. Sometimes, uh, you know, you get some information, you run with it. Um, and I actually look at it, that um, report came out right around the time that the Indianapolis Colts were picking. And I have a feeling that the Patriots thought that the Colts were going to select Malcolm Brown because that's what the Colts needed. The Colts needed 
a run-stuffing defensive tackle as they've been run over by the Patriots. Instead, they draft a wide receiver, and while he's fast, the best he's going to be on that team is a fourth or fifth option with everything that Andrew Luck has to throw to. So I think right then and there, when Malcolm Brown uh, fell through, uh, the Patriots said, hmm, we're not going to trade this. Let's try to go ahead and get Malcolm Brown. And and sure enough, they got the 317-pound defensive tackle um, who is adept at playing all across the line uh, for the uh, for the Texas Longhorns? So that'll be an exciting pick. And you brought up uh, Jordan Richards and the who, what, when, why pick uh, that we talked about many times leading up to this draft. I am Jordan Richards is now my new favorite Patriot. I wish him nothing but the luck. But luck. His father uh, Terry Richards grew up in uh, Natick, Massachusetts, my hometown. Help deliver the Redmen, and yes, I say the Redmen. They'll be the Redmen forever, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the 1975 Division One Super Bowl crown for Massachusetts. And uh, just for Terry and, of course, his son Jordan, I'm going to play the Natick High fight, sc- fight song sung by Vanjie Sticker. Oh, God. When Natick High goes marching down the field, you'll know the day will never, never yield. Although the other team has lots of pep, when they meet Natick High, they'll know they're out of step. And when this game goes down in history, to be another Natick victory. So let the cheers ring out for Natick High, Natick High, rah, rah. Well, Bobby, that's Vanjie Sticker, a uh, definitely a legend in uh, for Natick High School and Natick Sports. Uh, but let's get ready and let's get rolling and let's bring Mike Loika on and we'll dissect this draft from beginning to end. Well, joining us again for the third part of his three-part series with the CLNS Radio Patriots Beat Podcast is NFL Draft Guru and Editor at, at NEPatriotsDraft.com. It is Mike Loiko, Mike, of course, the author of the 2015 Mike Loiko's Draft Guide, uh, which we, of course, uh, helped him get some uh, downloads for there and, uh, of course, are giving away a Patriots jersey uh, to one of the lucky fans, which we will, um, of course, uh, pick the winner right after uh, the segment here. So, Mike, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. It was a, it was a really fun weekend or four days there. Um you know, it's a huge lead-up. I was looking forward to it for a long time, and um, it's always just fun to see who your team comes out of the whole draft with. So, overall, I thought it was a productive weekend for the Patriots and um, for most teams in the NFL. Looking back at the team's drafts, I think a lot of teams in the NFL really had productive drafts. I really wasn't too surprised or too um, shocked with anything that happened this weekend. It was a pretty standard draft, not much movement. Um, and I think a lot of teams got better this weekend. Oh, definitely. And I'll give kudos to the NFL. Um, a couple of years ago when they when they changed the format to Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I wasn't a huge fan. However, I was out in Chicago for the NFL draft uh, this weekend, went out there, uh, had a blast in all the fan zones, uh, draft town. They just – Chicago put on a great show. Um, you know, next year I think I'll, I'm going to go with some – some friends went by myself, so I get to meet the locals there. But it was a great uh, turnout and uh, great things by the uh, NFL, uh, switching it up from usually uh, the Music City, uh, New York City Music Hall, uh, Music City Hall, whatever it is there in New York City, um, and into Chicago. It was a it was a heck of a time. But uh, let's get right moving right along because uh, a lot of people uh, with the Patriots' first round draft pick, Malcolm Brown, the defensive tackle out of Texas, figured he'd go a lot higher. In fact, uh, Shalice Manzi Young had come out and said that the Patriots uh, had traded the pick, and that was right around the time that uh, Indianapolis was picking. I figured he'd go to Indianapolis. That's what they needed. Instead, their uh, their non-pick was our gain. Tell us a little bit about uh, Malcolm Brown, because he looks like he could be a force in the middle of the New England Patriots defense. Yeah, we always, you always hear teams, you always say that you didn't really think a player was going to be there, but... Honestly, Malcolm Brown, somebody that I've loved for a long, long time, 
and I really didn't give him much thought of being in the Patriots or on the, in the Patriots system because I didn't think there was any way he was going to be there. I actually thought he was going to go even higher than most projected. I had him as my number two or number three ranked defensive tackle in the draft. I had him ahead of Danny Shelton. Um, I just, I absolutely love his game. I'm really close friends with a couple guys that cover the University of Texas, and they've just been raving about this kid to me for the last two years. And I go down to the Senior Bowl with these guys, and all they could talk about is how good Malcolm Brown is, how high he should go in the draft. And when you watch him on film, he was by far the, their, their best defender on the team this year. Um, he did change up systems with Charlie Strong coming in. Um, as Bill Belichick said in his con- press conference the other night, he can play up and down the uh, the defensive line. The, the thing that stands out with Malcolm Brown for me is he's six foot, almost six foot three, three hundred and twenty pounds, but he plays like somebody that's much smaller. He's explosive. He's athletic. He, he's disruptive, and all, he can get upfield. He can penetrate. Um, the people that I've talked to and just watching his films that that he can two gap if you need him to. He can play more stealth, but the way Texas played defense, they want him to get after it and get upfield and create disruption. Um, he's flexible through the hips. He slips blocks really easily. And that's something that a lot of defensive tackles that are his size, they don't really do. They can't get on the edge of blocks that well. And when they do, they can't wiggle their way off or slip through the gaps. He has no trouble um, doing that. Um, he's, he's a playmaker up and down the line. He makes plays outside his gap responsibilities. When he gets into the backfield, he can break down and change direction, find the ball. He closes quickly on the quarterback, and he finishes. I mean, there's really not too much to like. He's going to be able to play with any of the Patriots defensive linemen. So what it's going to allow the Patriots to do is mix and match combinations. Um, I really like to fit with Easley because with Easley you have a 270, 280-pound, really just a pure penetrator or three technique, somebody that you're going to want to one-gap and just shoot gaps constantly, get upfield. And then Malcolm Brown, he can do some of that, but he gives you a bigger body that can play the play next to him, that can, on some plays, take on blocks. Other plays, you can have, run stunts with him and easily. Um, and when you start looking at it, it easily becomes what we think he can become. Then you have right in the middle of your defense, you're going to have easily Malcolm Brown, Jamie Collins, and Hightower. Those are four young, athletic, disruptive players that are going to be a nightmare for interior offensive lines to match for the next couple of years. Mike, Malcolm Brown was a pleasant surprise that he fell into the Patriots' lap at 32. The next selection, Jordan Richards, wasn't quite melt as warmly by Patriots fans. Is this, in your eyes, Tavon Wilson 2.0, or could he contribute more than just on special teams? No, he's a much better player than Tavon Wilson. I will give him that. Um, when the Tavon Wilson pick happened, he was, I had heard of him and I had it in my ranking sheet, but he's somebody I spent no time on whatsoever evaluating. Um, he was just somebody I had as an undrafted free agent and just somebody I had on my board to track after the draft. With Jordan Richards, I scouted him. I put him in my book. I actually liked his film quite a bit. Um, my write-up about him is pretty positive. I just had him ranked you know, three or four rounds later. And I just think we, us as Patriots fans and all the other Patriots fans out there, we just really have to just start preparing ourselves every single year for these types of picks. There's going to be a reach every single year, no matter what it it, it is, what it is, it's going to happen. Um, and I don't know why it always happens in the second round. There's something that Bill Belichick sees about his, if you look at his philosophy, his reaches typically happen in the second round where he takes these chances on guys that are usually rated lower and then he comes back in the end of the draft with these higher-rated guys. But getting back to Richards, obviously he's one of the smartest players in the draft football-wise. He knows every position on the field. Um, it, he's 5'11", two, 5'11", 211 pounds. He ran in the 4.5s at the combine. I believe it was 4. He ran in the 4.6s. He got it down to the 4.5s at his pro day. Um, you're making this pick right now because the Tavon Wilson pick didn't happen. There's no way both these guys are making the roster. So uh, Tavon Wilson's time in New England's come. I hated the Tavon Wilson pick when it happened. With Richards, I think he's a little bit more versatile as a safety than Tavon Wilson. Wilson really bolts himself up and is exclusively an in-the-box guy. I think Richards is a better coverage safety at, right now than Tavon Wilson will ever be. 
um, a team captain. Obviously, Richard's athletically limited. He's not going to be able to play much cover two, or he's definitely not going to be able to play single high. His range for the NFL game is going to be limited. Um, what I think he's going to allow you to do is you're going to be able to put him in the box, um, mix and match, like I was talking about with the defensive line. You're going to be able to move him around a little bit. Um, he's going to add depth behind Patrick Chung, which they really didn't have any last year. Um, towards the end of the season, their safety depth was really down to three players. They put Deron Harmon in, but they I don't think they trusted Tavon Wilson much. Um, and if Patrick Chung went down this year, I think they'd be in pretty big trouble, even though um, I'm not the biggest Chung guy. So he's a much better player than Tavon Wilson. His negatives is obviously his athletic ability. Um, positives, how smart he is. He's got NFL size. He shows up on film everywhere. He makes plays. He hits. He strikes. Um, he knows his responsibilities and coverage, so you're not going to have to worry about that. Um, I think that he's going to be a depth player for the Patriots, and if he ever develops into a starting strong safety, then you get great value. But I think he's probably a depth player for them. I'd assume that Richard would be a depth player uh, this year, only because there's a lot of depth at safety. I think you're right going out and saying that Tavon Wilson's days here are numbered. Uh, just a follow-up question here on Richards. Um, could we see him in a big nickel package? Does he have the ability to cover a, a let's just say, a Kobe Fleener? I, I think I think he has to have that ability. I don't think they'd pick him in the second round if they didn't project him to have that type of coverage ability. Um, I'm looking at my scouting report right now on him. Um, yeah, I think he can match up with tight ends in the short area, I think within 20 yards. I don't think he's somebody that um, you're going to want to split out and cover spot wide receivers or some of the better um, tight ends in the league. But I think in the box and close to the line of scrimmage, you can definitely man up. Um, what I think he's going to do, obviously the special team is going to be huge for him. And I think he will be probably be working as that third safety in some big nickel packages. Well, the next guy selected, number 97 overall after the Patriots traded the 96 pick to the Cleveland Browns, was a defensive end out of Oklahoma, uh, Geno uh, Grissom. Um, tell us a little bit about him because we heard it on the, uh, on the draft um, that he was taking a few rounds too high. Yeah, he was another guy I had rated on for day three. Honestly, I tweeted this after he got drafted. Out of all the players that I had put in my draft book and that I had scouted, he was probably the toughest evaluation for me. There's just some players that when you watch them film, it's tough to get a grasp on what they're going to look like at the next level or what they do. And the reason for that is he just gets moved around so much. Um, they asked him to do so many different things at Oklahoma. He plays off the line of scrimmage. He'll play on the line of scrimmage. They moved him inside to really free technique to rush on some downs. He has experience playing tight end, which Bill Belichick said on Saturday or Friday night that his tight end workout was as good as any. Um, looking at my scouting report, he has really good length, long arms like Trey Flowers does. He knows how to funnel runs back to the inside. Um, He's an explosive lower body athlete, vertical of 37 inches. He runs adequately in the 4-H, which is it's fine for an edge player in the Patriot system. Um, he creates separation from blockers with his arm extension, which is vital for them. Bill Bel- If you hear the cuts up of Bill Belichick in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, it's all about using your hands at the point of attack, creating separation from blockers, and not letting offensive players get into their pads. They're big with that of putting hands on offensive linemen, reading and reacting, so he can do that. Um, he's very good in pursuit. I think his length shows up in the passing game with getting hands into the passing lanes and knocking down passes. Um, really, looking, rereading my scouting report now, and I haven't done this since the draft, it fires him, using his hands at the point of attack, versatility, and the ability to drop and, and rush are, are his main things. His limitations, um, I think playing in space is going to be tough for him. I don't think he's uh, laterally quick enough to man up in man coverage. Um, getting off the edge, exploding off the edge is average. I don't think he's going to be a big high number sack guy. When I look at him, I think he he's another rotational depth guy that can probably rotate in at multiple spots. I think possibly he can back up all three linebacker spots if he shows that he can develop his coverage skills. 
I think what the Patriots need to do with him is really get him in the system, have him focus at one position for a while, and really just develop at that. But in the short term, I think he's a good um, sub-package player that can play multiple spots in sub-package in rush and drop. I think those are his strengths right now. But playing in space full-time, I think he'll have a little bit of trouble with. And if you're listening at home, you probably realize that up next we're going to be talking about the Pats' fourth-round selection, Trey Flowers. Mike, this is someone who, when I watched him on film, very impressive as an edge defender against the run. Not a lot there as a pass rusher. Do you think they can convert him into, even if it's just a two-down player, you know, if he's on the field in a passing situation, someone who, like Rob Ninkovich, even if it's a different style, can create pressure, even if he's not necessarily converting that into sacks? Possibly. I, I think it's tough to say that a kid that struggled to rush the passer in college is going to be a good pass rusher in the NFL. I think that's, that's a stretch. Um, what you're getting from Flowers, he's one of the best run force ends in the draft. Like with Grissom, he's strong with his hands at the point of attack. When you see Flowers in person, he, he has a really rare build. Um, he's only six foot two, but his arm length is just freaky. He has some of the longest arms in the draft. I think if you were inch by inch, I think his arms are probably the longest per per inch. I mean, he's only six two, but he's got thirty four and a half inch arms, which is pretty rare for his size. Um, he and he knows how to use that length. That's a key for him. He knows how to stay keep his frame clean. He he's not going to get home with sacks, but he creates disruption uh, with his power at the point of attack, knocking people back forcing run plays back to the inside. Um, he drives tackles and offensive guards back to make the quarterback move up the spot. Um, and he plays with good leverage. And as a pass rusher, he'll create he'll create some pressure with the secondary rush. He's not going to be a guy that's, at, that's explosive off the edge and dips under blocks and is a speed rusher. That's just not his game. He's a run-force player where you're going to be able to play in base defenses in some situations. I actually think he's a little bit similar to, to Chandler Jones in that. He's not nearly the pass rusher, but the way Jones can use his hands at the point of attack and um, work off of his hand usage, I see some of that in Flowers. And I think Flowers is going to be able to move around a little bit um, when the Patriots go to four-man fronts or three-man fronts. I think he can, he has a little bit of versatility, but uh, I think his best is going to be strong side defensive end, um, especially on first and second down. I think he's really going to make an impact there. If, if you are into the analytics, the analytics had him as one of the best or most productive defensive ends in the draft. So in the fourth round, I thought he was really good value. Uh, that seemed like a very good value pick there. And it isn't always about sacks. It's about pressures. Uh, you know, we saw it in the Super Bowl in Super Bowl 48. Uh, Seattle only had one sack against Peyton Manning, but they sure as heck got some pressure there. So hopefully uh, uh, Trey Flowers will will step that up. Moving on to the uh, next position here that the Patriots drafted was also uh, a fourth-round draft pick, and it was uh, Trey Jackson, the offensive lineman out of uh, Florida State, going to be teaming up again uh, with the man Brian Stork. Uh, First thing I'm going to ask you, Mike, is he's uh, you know played guard, but most of it was right guard, and the Patriots really have a left guard opening right now with Dan Connolly still unsigned. Does he have the position versatility to flop? Well, he hasn't really shown that yet, but I'm sure when the Patriots put him through the workout that they they switched him up on sides. The Patriots won't take an offensive, I mean, yeah, an offensive lineman if they don't think he's going to be um, have some versatility. So I, I'm sure they feel comfortable with him playing on the left side. Shaq Mason was a right guard too, predominantly at Georgia Tech. So um, one of, one of them is going to play left guard, probably Jackson. Um, this was an obvious pick. Everybody. We were just waiting for them to take an offensive guard with the need so big, uh, and they still wait to the fourth round. So for future years, I think they're just going to serve notice that no matter what happens, Bill Belichick has still hasn't taken an interior offensive lineman, a true interior offensive lineman before the fourth round. And I just think that's going to be that's just his tradition. He's not going to do it. So with Jackson, you get him in the fourth round, probably the best value pick for the Patriots in this draft. He's a massive human being, 6'4", 330. Don't pay attention to really the agility or the the 40-type numbers. He's athletic enough in tight areas 
which is really what you look for. The thing that really has to be attracted to the Patriots is that he has a rapport with Brian Stork. Um, if you look at the Florida State offensive line, in 2013, they were one of the best offensive lines in the nation. They really struggled last year. I think they really missed Brian Stork in the middle. He's kind of the person that held that whole thing together. Um, they gave up a lot of pressures this year on Winston. Why that was, it's kind of a combination of things, quarterback-driven and offensive line communication-driven. But he's powerful. He's a mauler. He, he's got a very strong punch. He knocks people off. the uh, At point of attack, he knocks people back. He's not somebody that's going to give a ton of ground. Um, adequate short area movement for an interior lineman. He gets directional push when using angles. Um, he knows how to use angles, too, which is important for a bigger guy like him that's not always going to be able to get in front of guys. Um, he does get to the second level good enough. He, when he locates, he finishes. Um, he, he uses his body positioning well in the run game, which is important for the Patriots' own scheme is body positioning, and he knows how to do that. He gets his body in good spots to wall off um, and steal run lanes. As a pass protector, um, I think he's good enough. You've got his arm length, 32 and 5 eighths. He's got massive hands. Um, anchors pretty well. I think his hand usage is probably what drew them to the Patriots. He's able to anchor guy or stall guys pass rush when he's getting head up rushed at. Um, some of the weaknesses I have for him, he lunges at moving targets, which most guys to size um, tend to lunge because they can't get their feet in place quick enough. Um, technique can get a, a little sloppy. At Florida State, he, he was quick setting a lot um, to deal with some of the, the inside penetration and the inside rush moves. Um, smaller, quicker defenders have given him trouble in the past, so that is a concern. And I think he needs to anticipate blocking angles a little bit better um, because he's often forced to lunge to recover. And his lateral range, which, you know, for the Patriots' zone scheme is a little bit of a concern, is his lateral range isn't, you know, ideal. But as Bill Polian said on the draft coverage, they like to play with one big mauling guard and one in the rest of their guys, athletic movers. Um, and Trey Jackson's definitely the mauler. Patriots stayed with the offensive line in their next pick, getting Shaq Mason, who at just over 6'1", doesn't have ideal size, even as a center. But man, Mike, when you talk about someone who plays with a mean streak as a run def- as a run blocker, he'll knock the snot out you, which I loved to see. However, with his size and the fact that he's not great in pass protection, do you think we're talking about a rotation player or someone who could work up to being a starter? No, I, I'd be surprised if he didn't become a starting guard, to be honest with you. You know, I haven't talked to one scout, one NFL person. Uh, one analyst that has watched the tape of Shaq Mason and hasn't been impressed. Um, I was down at the Senior Bowl, and, and so was Bill Belichick, and he talked, or the Patriots scouts were, and Bill Belichick saw the film, sure, about his improvement in pass protection down there. Something Phil Savage brought up immediately that week. Um, if Shaq Mason had played at, say, Florida State or Ohio State, and he was it comes from an offense where he pass protected equally as much as he ran run block, and he was six foot three. He probably goes. He's probably the first guard taken. He's a devastating run blocker. Um, nobody's tape that I watched this year was better than Shaq Mason's in the run game. He pancakes guy after pancake. He just unloads at the point of attack on people, and he is an athletic mover. He gets to the second level when he's moving. He looks like he's floating when he's moving. He really runs like a tight end. He pull, he can pull, he can get to the second level, he can block in space. His short area power is as impressive as anybody's in this draft. He just devastates at the point of attack and creates huge surges off the line of scrimmage. Um, when you get watch him at the second level, he just finds these smaller guys and just knocks them on there, knocks them down. I mean, every time, time after time. I mean, he's a great cut blocker, which you have to be coming from Georgia Tech. The thing that stood out for me when you watch him on film is Georgia Tech basically ran a couple plays with their triple option, and most of it was behind Shaq Mason. So defenses had known that they were going to run behind him time after time, and he just continued to just dominate. And really good players, too. Uh, Florida State, Clemson's defense, he was productive against everybody. 
Um, his pass protection, obviously, it's going to have to come along. He's not nearly as good as this run defense, uh, run blocking, but he showed improvements at the Senior Bowl. By the end of the week, he was probably, I'd say, along with Trey Jackson and Lakin Tomlinson, the three best interior offensive linemen at that game, and the Patriots got two of them. Um, the length is a little bit of a concern. He's got 31-inch arms, you know, but that doesn't show up too much in college because he's just so strong. He's able to get any so quick. He gets into guys before they're able to get out of their stance and get onto him. Um, but for the Patriots' zone system, where he's going to be moving, where he might be pulling, where he needs to get to the second level to locate, um, he's a good fit. Um, I just really like this pick. I really do. He's just so tough and powerful. He's just he's going to be fun to watch. He really will be. The wait is finally over. Baseball season is here at last, and the excitement continues all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments, just instant cash, instant gratification. Why wait until the end of the season to claim victory when you can win huge cash prizes every day? At DraftKings, it's like a brand new season every time you play. Just select two pitchers and eight position players, stay under the salary cap, and you could be on your way to an enormous payday. Last year, Peter from Colorado won a million bucks at DraftKings in one day, just playing fantasy baseball. Hundreds of thousands of fantasy sports fans just like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and enter the promo code New England to play for free. You could win part of the $300 million in prizes being awarded this season. Use the promo code New England for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. And now on to the rest of the Mike Loiko interview. Well, the fifth-round draft pick could not have gotten any more Bill Belichick than Joe Cardona, the long snapper out of Navy, of course. Bill Belichick growing up in Annapolis, playing at Annapolis High School uh, as a center in uh, football, of course, the lacrosse team. His father, Steve Belichick, a scout for Navy for many, many years. Joe Cardona taken in the fifth round, a little high maybe for a long snapper, but of course they took Mark Ingram. Uh, a few years ago, or I got the first name right, last name, uh, first name wrong, last name right, but Ingram, the long snapper, a couple years ago. Tell us a little bit about what the Patriots can expect uh, from Cardona, who may or may not be available this year, depending on Navy regulations. Yeah, this was their second big-time reach. You can't really be a proponent of taking long snappers, especially in the fifth round, but I think any really in-tune or intelligent Patriots fan knew at some point this pick was coming. Navy and a special teams, core special teams player, there's no combination that stands out in Bill Belichick's mind more. You know, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he was thinking trade down in the first. He had the fifth round target for Cardone. He's already said that. I oh, exactly. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he was honestly trying to trade down the first round to get a fifth-round pick just to pick Joe Cardone. I, I think he made a draft promise to this guy, which NFL teams never do. Um, he told them before the draft they were going to pick him. So basically they planned the whole entire draft around picking Joe Cardona at some point. <laughs> so uh, when you, I saw him at the Senior Bowl. I mean, he's a really good long snapper. When you talk to a, I've talked to a couple scouts about him. They've said he's the best long snapper to come around in a while. I know that won't excite fans. It doesn't really excite me. But when you think of it in the long term, you know, the Patriots have had, you know, the last five years they've had three or four long snappers come in and out. And, you know, if you can hit on this guy and he can be a long-term fixture on their special teams, just something you don't have to worry about. Um, Danny Aiken had some issues last year. It's just something that fans don't. What's that, Bobby? The question will be how quickly the Patriots can get him into camp. We'll see with his naval commitments. Right. And getting picked in the fifth round and being the first Navy player selected in 20 years, you have to think that they have a really good feeling that he'll be able to get that waiver. Um, If he can get in camp, I mean, he's guaranteed a roster spot. And I think at a 41-mile-an-hour snap, and he's all—he's never missed a snap, I don't think, in college. So you just got to hope he's available. And I think, you know, out of all the players in this draft, he probably has the potential to play in the NFL the longest. 
just because he's, he fits such a niche. Well, how much do we sit there and say, um, you know, that they took him in the fifth round mm-hmm. to kind of show the show Navy that he had a legitimate shot at making a roster. Uh, the Patriots have gone this route before uh, with Kyle Eckel and Eric Atani, um, and both of them served out a little bit of their time uh, with the Navy. How much can we look at this and see that the Patriots select him in the fifth round, uh, are giving him, you know, fifth round money to bring him aboard, and maybe he can bypass, um, you know, not bypass, but postpone his naval commitment. I think that's a great point. I think it's really a, a big time possibility. If he goes undrafted or just signs, then he's just another, just another Navy guy. There was a couple Army guys that signed. I think there might have been one more Navy guy that got an undrafted free agent tryout. Um, getting drafted in the fifth round, I think it changes everything. I think he has. Um, and the other thing is, is not being in active wartime with large numbers of deployment right now. When you look back at Kyle Eckel, um, I think that when he was around, we were right in the middle of the Iraq War and things were ramped up a lot more. So I think that had a big effect. So, you know, I have no idea how it's going to play out, but they hold his rights for however long. And Bill Belichick was making this pick no matter what. I'm sure the scout, you know, I'm sure the Patriots scouts don't love it. You know, if you're a scout and you scout, uh, you know, 365 days a year and there's guys that you love in linebackers or wide receivers that were on the board, you know, they're not happy about it. But Bill Belichick is making this pick and he doesn't, he doesn't care who thinks what. He was picking them. Well, let's hope that the Patriots got the next Lonnie Paxton. They also stuck with the special teams on their next pick, taking Matt Wells. Mike, is this a core four guy in your opinion? And maybe can he contribute anything defensively? Um, yeah, I mean, when you look at his numbers, he's definitely going to be a special teams guy. This guy I talked to said they had him timed at 4-3-3 at his pro day, um, which is insanely fast for a linebacker. Um, he's really a linebacker safety. He covered more than he really did anything else at Mississippi State. You know, I, I don't really see him being a, a contributor on the defense anytime soon. I think I think they project him as just a pure special teams guy. At 4-3-3, that speed will be a big upgrade over a guy like Chris White, um, who's an average speed special teams linebacker. If you really look at what they've preferred over the years, they had Tracy White, who was a really fast linebacker. I think, you know, I think this guy comes in and probably knocks somebody like Chris White off the roster. I think he has a good shot at making the team as long as he's decent, because that speed on special teams is rare to find. And with the spread, the spread passing games, if if for if for, you know, you never know, he could turn out to be a decent defender if he can show something in sub packages. And it can become a big weapon, but I think they project him as a special teamer. And in the sixth round, um, you know, it, it's decent value. I think other teams had him on their board. You know, he had a shot to get drafted in the seventh round. So it wasn't a big reach for me, this pick. Just he wasn't really somebody that was on my radar to scout because he was mainly a, a special teamer in my mind. Well, he definitely, uh, you know, is fast at four point uh, four five forty for a linebacker. I mean, that's that's roadrunner fast right there. Um, the other thing is, is, is that draft pick was the pick uh, that was acquired in the trade of Jonathan Casillas um, when they traded their fifth round pick for Casillas and a sixth rounder. So you're uh, you're moving out one special teams player for another. Um, I I actually like the pick. I mean, we'll see what happens. Maybe he develops. Uh, otherwise, you know, at uh, 4.45, that's a hell of a gunner right there. Uh, the Patriots moved on to their next pick, which was um, a former quarterback uh, who has transferred over to tight end, mm-hmm. and that's A.J. Derby out of Arkansas. This was a little bit of a head-scratcher for me, only because the Patriots have Rob Gronkowski, the Who Man, Tim Wright, uh, Scott Chandler, and, 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 of course, James Devlin on this roster right now. Granted, it might be a you know a best player available, but but tell me a little bit about this. Oh, I, I love this pick. I love AJ Derby. Now I was tweeting about him before the draft. Um, out of all the tight ends I watched this year, he's the one that reminded me the most of Gronk. He, he made some of the most athletic and explosive plays of any tight end this entire season. He had the second best play I saw a tight end make besides Max Williams when he made uh, he took the crossing yard against Alabama and took it 45 yards. 
breaking three or four tackles, outrunning angles. He's just a really – if you hit on this pick, you make this pick because if you hit on it and he shows you that he can develop like he, shoot, he showed so quickly at Arkansas making the transition, then you're going to get a contributor. You're going to get somebody with a lot higher upside than Tim Wright has. I mean, Tim Wright, I don't think by any means is a loss to make the roster next year when you consider he couldn't get on the field at all in the playoffs. He basically disappeared um, from really the Bears game on. He was a non-factor. He was using a couple red zone packages, but you'd have to say Tim Wright was a real disappointment. He disappointed Tampa Bay in camp. Um, he showed flashes, but, you know, I don't think his roster spot's guaranteed at all, especially with Scott Chandler coming in. With A.J. Derby, you have a developmental tight end who can run. He can catch. I don't think he dropped a pass last year in 34 targets. Um, he needs work as a blocker, no doubt about that. But he's willing to give honest effort doing it. And this is a guy that can stretch the field from the seam, and he can cross the field and beat man coverage, and he's really explosive after the catch. So he showed me a ton on tape. I loved him before the draft. I didn't really think he was on the Patriots' radar, but I, this was one of my favorite picks in the draft. Yeah, I liked the Derby pick as well. I also liked the Patriots' next selection, Daryl Roberts, a seventh-round cornerback. The question is, they have a lot of depth at the position already. Being a seventh-round pick, do you think he's going to make the roster? What do, you, what do you think his chances are? Yeah, I think he has a decent shot. I really like this pick, too. He's somebody I got on really late. I wasn't able to get him in my books. He was actually in like the next five guys I was planning to put in, along with two of the undrafted free agents the Patriots signed. Um, the second best athlete in the draft, regardless of position, his spark is the second best spark out of any of the cornerbacks. He's a twitched up, explosive, explosive cover man. He's got electric recovery speed. Uh, leaps out of the gym, and he finds the ball. He gets his hands on a ton of balls. I think he had something like 17 pass breakups or something like that last year. Um, you've got to love his athleticism. His technique and coverage definitely needs work. Um, I know a lot of teams liked him. He was going to get – if he didn't get drafted, he would have been probably the, one of the biggest priority guys in the NFL. There's no way the Patriots probably would have gotten if they didn't draft him. Um he can run stride for stride with any receiver in the draft. Um, he's feisty in coverage. He finds the ball and gets his hands on it. Um, he's more physical than his size would indicate. I think what you're concerned about is his size. He's only 180 pounds. He's really skinny. Technique, I think, is going to need a lot of technique, especially especially backpedaling and playing from the line of scrimmage. Um, he's a developmental corner, but the, to be honest, the Patriots have had better better success with corners they've drafted on day three of the draft than really on day two and th- uh, in the second and third round. So I have no no problem with this pick. I think he has a higher upside than a lot of the picks that they took, and this is a guy that they could really re- really benefit from if they hit on it. I, I I was a big fan of this pick as well, and actually somebody. I wasn't able to get in my book, but I had moved way up my rankings after watching film of him the last two weeks before the draft. And I think I had like a fifth or sixth round value on him, so it was a great pick. Mike, you mentioned the term spark. For our listeners, explain what the spark term uh, means. It's really just a it's just a formula. It's a combination. They take all their agility numbers, their speed numbers, and their height and weight. They put it into a formula, and they spit out a, a number. Um, let me see. If I had tweeted it a couple of days ago what his spark was. I know his – I have it right in front of me, actually. So his spark score was 143.3. Byron Jones's was 150.8, which was the highest. Those two are by far the two most athletic corners in the draft. Nobody was even within 10 points of him. And then if you look at the the percentile, he's in the 99th percentile of all players that have come through the NFL in terms of pure athleticism in relation to his size. Um, so he's a he's an elite athlete with rare traits athletically. Um, I think his technique, his football technique, needs a lot of work. But in the seventh round, this is the type of player you want to be taking chances on in the seventh round. I think he has the ball skills and the downfield ability to to play at the next level. And at worst, you're going to get somebody that can play on special teams and just get down the field in, in the blink of an eye and make a tackle. Excellent. Well, the final pick uh, in the NFL draft for the New England Patriots uh, was Xavier 
Dixon out of Alabama. This is a guy who had nine sacks last year for the Crimson Tide. Give us a little bit of a, a story on this guy because he is a seventh-round pick. The Patriots, though, have had some luck in the past with seventh-round picks, sticking and making some plays. Of course, Julian Edelman, probably one of the best ones I can think of. Uh, to a lesser extent, Alfonso Dennett. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Dixon. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of, I think he's similar to Geno Grissom. If you look at him athletically, I think he's probably a little straight line faster than Grissom. He's not as explosive in the lower body, though, in terms of agility. Um, he was another guy that was tough to evaluate because you're not sure what Alabama wants him to do on a lot of plays. Um, he's, a, he's a satisfactory run defender. He made big leaps with his pass rush this year. He had he only had one sack a year before, but he, his sack total jumped up to nine this year. Um, he's somebody, he fits the mold. He's 6'3", 263. Um, I think he can probably play a little bit off the line, but he's somebody you're going to want to probably play near the line of scrimmage more and have him come forward. Um, he's good at the point of attack, decent first step. The thing that stood out for me more than anything else was his discipline on the edge. He's a disciplined run defender. Um, he's willing to sit there and contain and set the edge. He won't go chasing off the backside and open up big holes, which, to be honest, is something that the Patriots defensive ends, especially Chandler Jones, have had trouble with the last few seasons is staying at home, reading the run, and not getting sucked up field on misdirection or bootlegs. Um, I, I don't think he's pass. I I just don't think he's going to have great success as a pass rusher in the NFL. I think he's another guy that's going to be a, a base run defender. Um, maybe he can come in in sub packages and kind of do what Akeem Ayers did, be used on twists and stunts. I think that's a fair comparison to what he could do. Um, I think he can probably play on his feet. He did at Alabama. He played in three four system with Nick Saban. Um, so he did, he offers some scheme and position versatility, which they love. In the seventh round, I, this is another good value. I had a sixth-round grade on him, I believe. Yeah, it was sixth or seventh round. So I think he's a depth player, and he has a good shot at making the roster. I think, you know, with Grissom ahead of him being a third-round pick, you know, that makes it a little bit tougher and sheared on the roster. Minkovich, Chandler Jones, you know, only there's only so many edge players that can make it. Um, but I think he's comparable to Geno Grissom. I don't think he's as... Um, versatile. I think Grissom can do a little bit more, but um, his pass numbers in the SEC jump off, and really as a disciplined run defender on the edge is the thing that I like the most about him. Mike, as we look at, you know, if anyone follows your Twitter account, and if you don't, you should, you could tell that there was just a complete flurry. It gets chaotic as soon as the draft ends. Really, even before that, with the undrafted free agents team scrambling to get their guys, who do you like out of the Patriots signing, signings and who do you think out of their undrafted free agents that they brought in? Of course, only a limited number of spots there, but who do you think has the best chance to make the team and why? Yeah, I, th I think there's a few guys. Um, they only had room for four or five undrafted free agents, so I think they targeted guys that they, they worked out privately and they had specific – um, meetings with and Bill Belichick worked out a couple of them. The first is David Andrews, the center from Georgia. Belichick worked him out personally. He fits all the prototypes that you want uh, for a Patriots guy, team captain, tough, um, experience in the SEC. So he's somebody that, you know, he fits the system. I think he's a depth center, probably makes it onto the practice squad and adds, you know, valuable depth if somebody gets hurt. Devin Gardner is the one that gets the most attention because he's such a well-known college player. Six foot four, doesn't run very fast. He's in the four sixes, but he has experience as a wide receiver before, and he probably will be on the practice squad making the transition to wide receiver this year. Who knows how it works out, but it's something interesting to follow. He's a good college player with the ball in his hands. He was a terrible quarterback, so the transition, there was a lot of interest in him. Um, after the draft, not as a draftable prospect. Um, and then Chris Harper, the wide receiver from Cal, who entered the draft early, um, he he might end up being the best of them all. They gave him a pretty big bonus. He could have been drafted in, on day three. Um, he's, he was Cal's most productive receiver the last two years. He's, a, he's got good speed. He's a good route runner. He's quick, um, laterally quick. I think he can probably play in the slot if you need him to. Um, he returns punts. 
pretty good hands, all around a good gamble as an undrafted guy. I think his athletic numbers are NFL ready. I think his ability to become a dynamic route runner and a diverse route runner, I see some of that on film. And, you know, he has a lot of experience catching the ball in the Cal system. He ran a lot of routes. He reads coverages. So it's a valuable gamble. Um, none of these guys are locked by any means to be on the team, especially with 11 draft picks. Um, they're going to have to earn their way. And there's only five five or six undrafted guys. I'm sure there will be a couple more that leak out um, once they free up a couple roster spots. And I'm sure they're going to have a big group of tryouts um, to see if they can find anybody else. Like Malcolm Butler last year came off a tryout. But, you know, for I think they targeted guys they want, and I think they got probably, you know, their top three or four targets in undrafted for agency. Excellent stuff there from Mike Loiko. Mike, uh, we appreciate the three-part uh, series you've done with us for the second year in a row. And, of course, last week we uh, announced on the Patriots Beat podcast that we would be giving away a Patriots jersey uh, of one of this year's rookies, uh, to one of the people that bought your draft guide through uh, the CLNS Radio website link that brought it right there. So why don't you go ahead and announce the winner of this year's jersey? All right, I think the winner is going to be, I think we drew it earlier, and it's Matt Harrington. Um, you're going to be the one that ends up winning a Patriots jersey, rookie jersey, probably of Malcolm Brown or wh- really whoever, but I would think Malcolm Brown's probably the most attractive jersey. Um, so I'm getting a long snapper. Yeah, the, or Joe Cardona, those could that could be valuable one day. Um, so we'll get in touch with you on how to how to get that, and I appreciate you buying the book and thanks for the support. Excellent stuff there from Mike Loiko. Uh, Mike, we cannot again uh, thank you enough. Uh, wonderful draft guy that you put it in. Uh, just a great time every time we have you on, not only around draft time, but, uh, uh, of course, uh, in the preseason and during the regular season and, of course, before the Super Bowl this year. Uh, we always look forward to uh, your thoughts on the New England Patriots as well as their players and drafted players. So thank you again for coming on. See you on Radio's Patriots Beat. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. And, of course, Mike Loiko is brought to you by our partner DraftKings, DraftKings.com. One-day fantasy baseball, one-day fantasy football, all that one-day stuff. Uh, it's a great thing. If you uh, if you need your instant gratification like I do, it's uh, it's a great website to go at. Uh, you can, of course, download the, the app as well. But DraftKings.com, check it out today. As always, Bobby, great stuff by Mike Loiko. A wealth of knowledge when it comes to the draft. The Patriots did some great things uh, in the draft as far as I'm concerned. I love the Malcolm Brown pick. Um, I even said I liked the uh, Jordan Richards pick. I'm looking at this draft, and I'm loving it. I, I, I'm just, from an overall standpoint, I think they hit all the positions of need, save one. I didn't see them pick a running back. I figured they would pick a running back, even with, uh, especially with LeGarrette Blount being suspended for the first game of the season. But that, to me, says that they uh, they have a little bit of trust of the guys they have on their roster. Exactly. I still wouldn't rule out the possibility that they sign a veteran. I think there's a possibility for one more veteran addition to this team and running back, given that they didn't draft anyone or sign an undrafted player at the position. Certainly would make sense. That said, I think you hit the nail on the head there at the end. It's a reflected. It's a reflection of how they feel about the talent they have internally right now. Very excited to see what type of training camp Tyler Gaffney has. Jonas Gray, last year he was more of a one-hit wonder than anything else. We'll see you know, how he spent his time this offseason. What hurts him, of course, is the fact that it was a limited offseason. It was shorter given that they won the Super Bowl. So we'll see if he was able to make the most of his offseason. We'll also see about... Um, Cadet, who they brought over from the Saints, he's an intriguing option as a pass catcher who some people feel they got him right before he peaks. So it was a great value signing. He's only 25 years old. He didn't get a whole lot of opportunities with the Saints, but did flash at times. So we'll see if they can develop him into a legitimate rotation player at the running back spot. And we'll, we'll see what they have as a collection, of course. It's going to be very interesting to see how this group looks in training camp and in the preseason and on throughout the regular season. 
Yeah, I think the biggest winners out of here were Gaffney uh, and, and James White. I, I think both of them could turn into be a nice one-two combination. Of course, we said on last week's uh, dr- um, show and uh, on previous week's show that we would have loved to see Melvin Gordon, um, the running back out of Wisconsin, fall back and join t- uh, his teammate in Wisconsin and James White. But we'll see what happens. That uh, that to me shows the Patriots feel uh, very confident in their uh, in their running back core. The other uh, surprise, and not really a huge surprise, because I, I think the Patriots have a, a good nucleus at wide receiver, um, especially up at the top with uh, Brandon LaFell, Julian Edelman, and Danny Amendola. Uh, they have their starting three right there. They didn't draft the wide receiver. Of course, we just heard from Mike Loiko that uh, they're bringing in former Michigan uh, uh, quarterback Gardner to try to uh, become a uh, wide receiver from a quarterback. We all know that uh, Julian Edelman, of course, uh, made that tradition uh, transition. Uh, but the guy that I think is a big winner here is Aaron Dobson. Uh, you know, had a very good uh, rookie season, 37 catches, over 500 yards, five touchdowns. Last year, uh, I, as I said on a previous podcast, I was very surprised that they took him off the pup when he, they did. Um, I thought he would have benefited from, uh, you know, wasting the first six weeks on the pop list uh, and, and let him get better. But we've heard some reports out there, of course, that he's been in Arizona and he's been uh, working out and working hard. Uh, former second-round pick, uh, this is a kid who had some success in the NFL. And then last year, uh, you know, he didn't come off the pop until August 11th, uh, you know, with a couple days left to go in training camp um, and only had three receptions on the season this could be a very big year for him. Um, great uh, athlete coming out of Marshall. So your thoughts on not selecting a uh, a wide receiver and what that could mean for the, the bottom three uh, wide receivers on the Patriots roster? Well, let's not forget, they also signed Brandon Gibson from Miami this offseason. He's a player who Josh McDaniels is familiar with from their time in St. Louis. So we'll see what type of impact he has, at the very least, in terms of pushing Aaron Dobson. He, I guess, represents the veteran that is going to try and keep Dobson even more motivated than you would think it would be the simple fact that he's fighting for a roster spot. And from there, you're fighting for playing time. You're already behind starting Brandon LaFell at the same position. So, like you said, it's one last chance for Aaron Dobson. And you look at how loaded this draft and the one before it were at wide receiver – and the one the Patriots went all in on came right before both of these two, taking Dobson and Boyce. So, you know, that has to hurt a little bit. And it's another incentive. Not that it was, you know, the main factor. It might not have even been discussed at all, knowing Bill Belichick, that that has to hurt. And you want to give Aaron Dobson one last chance to come through for you and validate the selection. Because, like I said, they passed up on the chance to add a wide receiver from two much more productive classes. Maybe could have gotten a better player. But with Dobson, Jeff, something we've alluded to on this show before is the fact that his rookie season, he showed, one, he could learn the system, which is a huge checkmark and a sigh of relief for the Patriots to know that's not as much an area of concern. And secondly... He perfected a couple routes that the Patriots like to run and like to utilize a lot, most notably that back shoulder catch. So, you know, he torched Pittsburgh his rookie year for a couple touchdowns. And as long as he can just stay on the field, that's what killed his offseason following his rookie year. That's primarily why he wasn't much of a factor this year. It was almost a wasted year for him. So as long as he can stay healthy and take advantage of his first full offseason in the NFL, he might just well validate his selection and lock down that fourth receiver spot on the depth chart. Oh, exactly. And one of the things with Aaron Dobson, and we won't spend too much time on him, more on him, uh, but is the fact that you said it right. He did learn the system. He was starting to become a very valuable player to this team uh, before he hurt that heel. And, and yes, last year was a little bit of a, uh, a you know a waste of a year for him. But in ending up on the uh, IR. And getting a full offseason where he should be fully healthy to recover, um, he's going to get to learn this a little better. He, of course, worked up the performance uh, group down in Arizona, 
Looking forward to him big time here uh, moving into the 2015 season. And you brought up Josh Boyce, uh, a guy that they had cut, put on the practice squad, and of course signed to a futures deal. Uh, So he'll be in camp. So it should be interesting to see there. The big monkey in the room for uh, New England Patriots fans, and a lot of them, uh, was the cornerback uh, position. Of course, Brandon Browner and Darrell Revis are gone. Um, the Patriots did not select a cornerback until, of course, the seventh round. Uh, they spent a lot of currency, draft currency, and, of course, uh, free agency on players in the front seven. Uh, Dominic Easley is coming back from an injury last year. Of course, uh, he is that uh, penetrating defensive tackle. We've already talked about Malcolm Brown. Uh, They have seemed to really turn around and change on the fly what they're going to do defensively. It looks like they might get after the quarterback a little more than they have in the past. The one thing that I've heard on just about every sports radio talk show I can see, any of the Pats uh, uh, fan boards out there, of course, Twitter, Facebook, all that sort of stuff, is that the Patriots don't have great cornerbacks. I'm not of that mind. Uh, and, and there's a couple reasons for that. You have a guy in Malcolm Butler. Granted, he made that great play in uh, in the Super Bowl uh, that was great. And if anyone's got three games to glory uh, for DVD, uh, there is a point in that DVD where they show the practice uh, before the before the Super Bowl of uh, the exact same play that Butler picked off. And uh, they show him not getting there. Uh, this is a guy who made some great strides uh, as the season went on, um, and the coaching staff obviously likes him. So I'm expecting a step-up year from Malcolm Butler. They brought in some guys like Bradley Fletcher, who's a good uh, a good cornerback. He got burnt a little bit last year, but a scheme change could be some uh, some good things. So let's ask you, Bobby, uh, your thoughts on the fact that they didn't pull off uh, a deal and get a uh, a cornerback in the draft. Well. I think it's a reflection of what we all knew, and that is especially when Byron Jones, you know, as far as who was realistically going to be available, because Trey Wayne, Marcus Peters, and Kevin Johnson, highly unlikely to be available when New England was selecting. So then you throw in the fact that Byron Jones goes to Dallas before the Patriots come on the clock, and there's no one in there who warrants the Patriots selecting they're not going to bring anything different you know it's not like there was a plug-and-play starting number one corner available in this draft especially outside of the aforementioned names and some of those guys really don't fit that mold either to be frank so it's just adding more depth to a position that already has it that's why I like the pick of Daryl Roberts in the seventh round we heard the description that Mike Loiko gave him as you know as far as Malcolm Butler goes it's anyone's guess what he's going to become, if he's going to be a one-hit wonder or if he's going to be a legitimate starting number one cornerback in this league who has longevity. Certainly Patriots fans and the organization alike are hoping it's the latter. And he had more than just one play in both that game and during the season. When he got his opportunities, he usually came through. So hopefully it's the latter, but that's, you know, no one can predict that at this juncture. Bradley Fletcher, a player who desperately, Jeff, needed a change of scenery, needed to get out of Philadelphia in the worst ways, but he can also be a solid number two corner. And Logan Ryan, five interception, five interceptions as a rookie, he's another one who the Patriots are high on. Last year, we talked to Matt Chatham about this, really not a good indication of what type of player he is or can be. So it's going to be a very intriguing training camp. Of course, fans and the media are going to be all over the Patriots secondary to see who's producing, who's not, and just how legitimate this secondary can be, how formidable a group they actually have. You said it right there. Training camp is going to be a blast this year. And, of course, uh, you know the mini camps will kick off pretty shortly here. But training camp this year is going to be an absolute blast with 11 draft picks. Uh, on this team, uh, the changeover in defense. It'll be interesting to see how this team molds and and, and gets together. Um, and we mentioned a couple weeks ago on the podcast about the early buy that the Patriots have in week four. Uh, that could be a nice time for a little roster reset as they learn these new rookies and these new players that are coming around. 
uh, to play with the New England Patriots as they move through to 2015. It is definitely on to 2015 for the four-time Super Bowl champion New England Patriots. I'd like to thank our guest, Mike Loiko, of course, our uh, our partners in DraftKings.com and Lynda.com, as well as Peak Brewing. Uh, we'll be catching you guys next week. Thank you again for listening to the Patriots Beat Podcast. For Bobby Kravitsky, I am Jeff Kane, and this has been another Patriots Beat. Sports Talk Radio, CLNS Radio.